You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for hunting and shooting in the great outdoors. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today. You will learn valuable tips and tricks that you can use on your next hunting trip into the field to make you a more successful hunter. Now here's your host, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Selms, and this is Episode 7, Game Cooking with English Game Chef Mark Gilchrist. If you guys don't know who Mark Gilchrist is, I first saw Mark as a regular attendee on the YouTube channel Field Sports TV, where Mark was a regular attendee showcasing his expertise in game cooking or showcasing his shotgunning skills on the large pigeon population that wing shooting offers in the UK. Mark is the owner and operator of his Game Chef catering company, Game for Everything. You can find Mark online and contacting him by going to gameforeverything.co.uk. Before we get into my interview with Mark Gilchrist, I thought I'd mention to you guys again, we are on Facebook, so again, jump on the Facebook page. Uh, Also again, guys, we are on iTunes, jump on the iTunes page, uh, like the page, subscribe, you'll get all the automatic feeds uh, to your iPad, iPhone or iPod Touch, so it's perfect to uh, download regular, every time a new uh, episode becomes available, uh, you can download it and uh, put it straight on your iPad, iPhone or iPod Touch. Uh, on Twitter, don't forget guys, AH Podcast. you can jump on there, follow us for any updates. Uh, we've got plenty of guests coming up guys, the next probably three or four months we have some fantastic guests coming on the show. Um, I am trying to get one guest on the show which I think would be absolutely fantastic and I think everyone would love to have on the show. Uh, I'm not going to give it away yet because I'm not sure if it's going to happen yet. Uh, I am trying to get in contact with this person's management and uh, I think it would be an absolute fantastic podcast to have. Uh, it's kind of a celebrity you would say in in sorts and a person that loves hunting and shooting uh, and it'll be awesome to get that person on the show so uh, stick around again for more people coming up over the next couple of months Uh, again guys we're about four months uh, in advance of podcasts uh, people that we've had on the show Uh, that just keeps me in front Uh, so sometimes I might interview someone you know this month but the podcast might not come out for two or three months just keeps me ahead keeps me on track and uh, gives me something to fall back on if uh, you know people pull out of the podcast or just uh, you know anything happens and I need to uh, pull on a podcast I've got all those people uh, backed up and ready to go so uh, fantastic uh, we're getting a lot of listeners uh, all the information's really hitting home with people absolutely fantastic and I'm really enjoying doing this guys and uh, it seems to be by all the emails that we're getting uh, a lot of people are really loving the show Uh, also too I thought I'd mention you can jump on our website at www.aussieusedguns.com.au which is a classifieds firearms website. Uh, it takes about 30 seconds to join up, and yeah, you can list all your items for sale, including rifles, pistols, reloading gear, safes, knives, clothing, you name it. It's 100% free to list. Uh, join up, takes about 30 seconds, and uh, you can start listing your items for sale 100% free. So jump on and start listing. So without further ado and me less talking, let's get into my interview with English game chef Mark Gilchrist. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast.
All right, Mark Gilchrist, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Bud, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me. No, absolutely. Mate, tell us, you know, a bit of a personal background, mate. How did you actually get into, you know, hunting and shooting? Was it a bit of a family tradition or was it just something you picked up on your own? Uh, no, it was a family tradition. My dad was uh, just mad for hunting. He was a farmer. Uh, he'd just go uh, pheasant, uh, duck, uh, hunting all the time. And then uh, I just got in with him and then obviously went to school, met other people that did it, and then started knocking on farmers' doors. You get good at it, uh, then people want you to do it, and, you know, it all snowballs. Yeah, really. So, you know, I know you, uh, you're, you're, a bit, you're, a, you're a pretty uh, a good game chef over there in England, so what motivated you to open up your, uh, you know, your game cooking, game for everything company over in England, uh, you know, which specialises in sort of local uh, game meat catering? What sort of, what was it about game meat that got you into sort of want to becoming a game chef? Well, I'm really, I'm really passionate about shooting and the best way to connect with people that aren't interested in what you've got to say in terms of justifying your way of life is cook them a really nice meal. And I think, or I've noticed over the years that I've changed a lot of people's opinions about hunting and uh, country life by cooking a really nice meal and then explaining back how you got it and you know the importance of why we do what we do is important to, um, you know, the the, the local economy and the environment and what we do to look after you know game preserves and so on and so forth yeah so i mean over there in in england compared to australia i mean australia game cooking is you know a little bit you know taboo in the fact that not many people eat it and a lot of people don't know how to prepare it so what's you know england or at least the united kingdom what's their stance on say game cooking you know is it is it pretty popular over there in england it, yeah, it was fairly. It's sort of fairly popular um, uh, for quite a bit, but it's now like it's kind of. I'd like to say that you know, game cooking is a new rock and roll, but it's not quite quite at that stage. But you know, really sort of uh, sort of like young posh, uh, well-to-do people in London are sort of starting to eat out of game restaurants, and people are broadening their horizons. Um, and another good thing that we got is we've got some really good people cooking game now. So, uh, you know, the whole thing hopefully will snowball. The more people that cook game properly, the more people eat it. And then, you know, we, 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 the more people that eat game, the better. So the whole thing should get bigger and bigger. Yeah. So when did you, how old were you, mate, when you started to, you know, get into game cooking? And uh, was it, you know, was it, were you a young fellow? Have you always enjoyed cooking or? Yeah, I've always enjoyed cooking. My mum and I used to, to cook together, you know, as a, a sort of mother and some sort of activity and I give her a hand and um, obviously then I went to university and uh, I wasn't going to go and pay you know five pounds for a chicken when I can get a pheasant for nothing uh, you know I think with all things in life the more you do it the better you get at it and the more you learn uh, and you know it's just going from there really. Yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, did you expect to sort of become one of, you know, the most popular, at least sought after, you know, game meat chefs in sort of England? It's a bit of a surprise, kind of, who rings me up, to be honest. Uh, you know, like some, you know, as I've gone on, I've been approached by sort of Gordon Ramsay to be on his program and the Radio 4 Food Program, which is a really big one over here, the one show. Um, I'm sure none of these things mean so much to you because you don't get the programs over there, but like, Really big people have given me a ring, and and also uh, the YouTube videos are the oddest one. I mean, I met a three Michelin starred chef at a food conference about two years ago, uh, and the guy walked up to me and shook my hand. and goes, 
course, it wasn't for your video. I wouldn't know how to prepare a rabbit. And I was like, I was a bit like taken aback. So no, the whole thing's just a big surprise, really. Yeah, no, exactly. I uh, have I have seen your uh, you know rabbit preparation video on YouTube, and actually when I skinned mine out, one of the first rabbits I got was actually I, I did only uh, about uh, probably twelve months a year ago. I actually used your video to skin out and uh, and uh, cook one of my first rabbits. So hey, you know, thanks for that. So um, <laughs> have you always liked eating game meat, mate? What was sort of the first types of species of game meat that you'd actually eaten? Um. I think the first thing I probably ate was pheasant. Um, and I, I have to say, I didn't like it so much when it was um, cooked, because whoever cooked it, like, really overcooked it, and it was tough and quite dry, and it was a bit bitter. And I can remember a couple of years later, someone saying, oh, no, you want to cook it like this, and serve it just to, like, a little bit pink, uh, make sure it's nicely relaxed and with a bit of butter on it. And uh, it was completely different. And, you know, the next thing I did was trying the same method for... Um, other species, and uh, you know, really look at the way I cooked it, and you know, ever since there, I've, uh, ever since that point, I've had a real passion for cooking with game. Yeah, yeah. So what, mate? What would you say? What, what sort of uh, are the main game meats eaten over there in England? Probably by weight, I would say it's venison because we've got so many species of deer here. Uh, I think we've got five, six species of deer here, um, and wild goats, uh, and they are shot in, in very big numbers and consumed in big numbers. But um, I would also say that, you know, you don't want to overlook things like pigeon. Um, the pigeons are shot all year round here. I think three-quarters of the pigeon population in Britain is shot every year. I could have that wrong, but it's some very high proportion. But they breed so rapidly. I think um, a pair of pigeons has, you know, on average, sort of eight young in a, in a, in a year. I think we've got 60 million pigeons I think we've got we start off in a year and you know, very quickly you've got you know over 100 million pigeons in the UK um <clears throat> they're eat, they're quite popular and eaten quite a lot and then I'd say some pheasant um is big and rabbit is pretty big over here as well yeah so they're the most popular ones yeah sounds great so mate um you know if people over here in Australia let's say for an example you know don't know how to cook game meat or even where they should start you know what can people do to start you know uh eating game if they've never tried it? What's the best way to, say, prepare? Is it easier to marinate the meat? What are just some general tips if people are first getting into uh, cooking game? What's some just starting you know, advice that would get them on the way, at least to enjoying it and not you know, trying it and being turned away from it? Uh, I think the first thing, the most important thing, is you either need to serve it like still pink in the middle, so you want it pink. Don't overcook it. If it feels tough, it's going to be tough, okay? So cook it. And then when it feels like it's got a bit of squish left in it, that's, you know, kind of how you want it. If you don't want it like that, you need to cook it for two or three hours and kind of nowhere in the middle would be the best advice. The other thing I'd say is look after the game. Don't leave it in the back of a 4x4 <clears throat> uh, four four for a couple of days and then wonder why it stinks. It's, you know, it is food. So <laughs> yeah. as soon as you get it, as soon as you get it from, the, from and you've shot it, put it into a fridge. If you don't have a fridge, process it straight away. Uh, because it will, otherwise it will just go off. Um, and you know, game is a, a hard-working animal. You know, it's it's high protein, so if you overcook it, it'll dry out. And it's also low in fat, which is obviously good for you. But I would suggest when you're serving game, you put something like a little bit fatty on the plate. So 
Uh, you know, if you're going to make a mash, put a little bit more cream in it. Would you say they're the most like yeah, you know, few important things is to say not overcook it. Is that is that is that the common is that one of the most common mistakes people make? Yeah, yeah. You, like I do cooking demonstrations up and down the country over here, and uh, people say, "Oh, I don't like pigeon. It's it's bitter. It's tough, and it tastes a kidney." Well, that's I know straight away they've overcooked it. Whereas if you uncook it so it's still pink in the middle, um, you'll find that uh, it's firstly it won't be bitter, secondly uh, it won't be tough, and it'll taste like sirloin steak. Uh, but that's the biggest thing people get wrong is 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 is, is overcook it. Um, you just see that like time and time again. Uh, but you know there's videos of mine on YouTube for anyone to watch on how to do um, most of the stuff we get over here and. To be honest, the methods that I use for like pigeons in England will work for, you know, ducks in Australia. That it's a, it's a very sort of similar method. Yeah. So I was going to say, you know, you know, when you're cooking these game meats, you know, is it better? Is it depending on the game? Is it better to cook them, say, you know, for longer periods at say lower temperatures, or is it better depending on the game? Is it to cook it, you know, quickly? At higher temperatures, does it all depend on the game, and how can people know what you know which method they should take if they were to take that you know, a certain method? Well, if you're trying to serve it pink, you want to get it, you want to cook it as fast as you can on really high heat, and then give it ten minutes to relax. Um, because when you cook it really fast, you get the water in the meat to boil, uh, and then it, by letting it relax, you let the meat cool back down again. So what you're essentially doing is getting all the meat at seventy degrees. Now, if you want to get hyper-technical and really geeky, which um, you probably don't want to hear too much about, you put the meat in water at 70 degrees for 20, 25 minutes, and that will uh, cook the meat through so it's pink. And now, the reason that big restaurants and Michelin-style restaurants use that method is it kind of can't go wrong, whereas at home, we do the same uh, process, same, same sort of method, but different process, which is... We pan fry the meat so the meat on the outside starts to boil, but it's still cold in the middle. Then we give it 10 minutes to relax. And what happens here is the core temperature of the meat comes up to about 65, 70, and the outside cools down. So you've actually done the same thing, but um, it's sort of in a roundabout way. Yeah, mate, I've, I've had some people say, you know, especially over here or just on, just in general, you know, oh, you know, you can't cook game meat. It's always going to be tough. Is that just sort of... You know, is that just their naivety coming through? Like, is it possible to get nice, really tender game meat, you know, if, if you cook it correctly? Yeah, I, um, I want to try and sound modest here, but I kind of do it every day. Uh, it can't be, it, it's got to be possible because, you know, you can do it every day. Um, and it, people are probably, what they're doing, saying game meat is always going to be tough. But it is always going to be tough using the methods they use. Now, if you change your methods, you'll get different results. But you find a lot of people don't want to change their methods, so they won't get better results. And that's the same in cooking and hunting. So if you want to get it tasting really good, um, just follow the videos that I've put up or even some quite good ones that other people have put up. Uh, and if you use those methods, I can almost promise you you'll get good results. Uh, because, you know, for me as a caterer, I don't use methods that work some of the time. I have to use methods that work every time because uh, people don't judge me on my food that's good. They judge me on the plates that are, that are no good. 
So I can't afford to have a single bad plate of food. No, nah, absolutely true, mate. You're, you're right 100%. So is there any, say, special utensils that people might, you know, would need to start cooking game meat if they want to get serious? Or is it, you know, what sort of things would people need? Like, is it your basic fry pan? Or what's, what's some things people need to buy that might help them out if they needed to? Or is it just you don't need anything in particular? Just get in there and start trying it and start cooking. You don't need anything in particular, but if you want to spend, uh, you know, £1,800 sterling or I don't know what that equates to over there, like a lot of money on a water bath, you can, but you can get exactly the same. You can get perfectly good results with uh, with just normal kitchen utensils. And I don't have a water bath and I do this for sort of Holland and Holland and uh, various top gun companies all over the um, world, all over Europe, really. So if I can do it, then, you know, uh, just goes to prove you don't need any fancy equipment to do it. Well, that's, 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 that's pretty good for people to get started. So is there, mate, different... What's the difference in cooking methods, say, for games such as deer, pigeons, or rabbits? Do they differ in how, they, how you prepare those meats and how you cook them? Well, I mean, like pigeons, you pretty much get the breasts, uh, and I always like to serve them, them, them pink. So that's obviously the fast and furious method. Now, the rabbits... Rabbit is is a very complicated uh, thing to cook. Rabbit is like chocolate. It's a lot of different processes going on there. And if you don't follow... Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to come unstuck. Um, and people always go, yeah, I, I really want to start cooking game. I'm going to start cooking rabbit. And I always say to them, guys, rabbit is the last thing you want to cook. You're going to master the basics, then we'll get you onto the tough stuff. Um, but if you follow the method that I put up on, on YouTube, that method will get you perfect results every time if you follow it correctly. Uh, if you start experimenting, you may find that rabbit is uh, an unbelievably complicated subject, uh, which could take me about an hour and a half to explain, and you may not still grasp the whole thing at the end of it. But what I just suggest to everyone is use my method. It's not the only method. There are others, but they have limitations. Use my method. It won't go wrong. Um, deer is a relatively easy one to cook because it's a little bit more forgiving. Um, and like the different cuts, you do different things with. Like, um, you know, obviously the shin and the like really tough bits want to be cooked long and slow. And things like the fillets and the sirloin, you can give them a frying and serve them nice and pink. Or even just uh, trim them out, sear the outside, and shave them up and do little shavings of raw fillet with a uh, rocket. Um, that's you know, that's a real crowd pleaser, that one. Yeah, over here in Australia, mate, deer is, you know, we've got a fair bit of deer over here too, and uh, deer seems pretty popular over here in Australia as uh, one of the top cooking meats. So uh, very very well-liked deer over here. So, um, you know, can, mate, can anyone, you know, get, good at cooking game meat and if so like let's say at least at least for people that are over there in england does mark gilchrist offer any any cooking courses or if people wanted to become a better cook can they engage in your services to to help them do that or well i do do cooking courses over here for for people that want them uh and i do cooking demonstrations i do a thing um every year where i teach uh well first year it was 11 18 year olds and this year it was 18 18 year olds to cook and then we open up a restaurant uh, in a school and we do three course meal for 20 pounds which is just nothing um, and it's it's good quality food uh, well, it's got it's got my name on it so I wouldn't let it go out if it wasn't um, and you know I think we need to realize if, if those guys are 18 and privately educated and a little bit sport if they can master it 
pretty much anyone can. Um, but there may also be a situation where I may be coming over to uh, Australia sometime in the near future, uh, cooking demonstrations at the Taste of Melbourne um, Festival in, in Melbourne. They've emailed me and said, look, you know, is there any, would you come over if we, we asked you? And I said, yeah, for sure. Um, and, you know, they said, look, we'll come back to you about dates and, you know, whether we're going to go ahead with it. Oh, absolutely. Man, that'd be good to see Mark Gilchrist uh, in person cooking some uh, game, and I reckon that'd be pretty good. And I reckon if that happens, a lot of, you know, and people are going to listen to this podcast, it'd probably be good to get out and, you know, you know, meet up with you and see, you know, see how you see your cooking and, uh, you know, learn some tips and tricks off you. I think that'd be fantastic. Well, I, 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 it'd be really good to come over, and um, it'd be nice to see. You know, some of the faces of the people that send me emails all the time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, mate, uh, just let us know, mate, what, what are, I mean, some of the benefits, would you say, of cooking game meat? You know, is it you know, healthier, less fat, more organic, cheaper? What's, what are some of the benefits, you think, of cooking game meats? I, th- I think you've got a lot of the, the, the uh, qualities there. I mean, okay, look, it's, it's leaner, it's cheaper, uh, so it's... it's um, uh, lower in fat, uh, higher in protein, it's better for you, it's organic. I think the biggest thing that people miss, and this is going to become very apparent soon, is uh, food at present is very linked to the price of oil. So in terms of global recession, such as when at the moment, when the oil price goes up, food is going to get more and more expensive. Um, we also face another problem in the Western world, or so the developed world, where uh, Certainly in England, we're not manufacturing uh, goods in the way to sell to the world in the way that we used to, uh, and you may find that some of the world's wealth is gravitating to more developing countries such as China and Brazil and so on and so forth. Yep. Now, my point is quite simply this: at some stage, imported foods like uh, you know lamb and you know lettuce that's flown over from California, it's going to become disproportionately expensive, um, and as people certainly living in the UK, we're going to have to look at um, more sustainable, less oil-dependent food sources, which game is is one of them. I mean, the price of game, the price of a rabbit, the price of a pheasant uh, in 1950 was four pounds, and the price of a pheasant now, in 2010, so 60 years on, bearing in mind all the costs have gone up, is about three pounds. So. Um, the price of game is actually going down, uh, and the um, the cost of producing it have gone up. So, I, I, and all other food prices are up, you know, um, you know, five to ten percent per annum, whereas game has stayed the same. So, I think people are going to have to start looking at game and, and including it as part of their, their lifestyle, and um, uh, uh, in, in terms of financial necessity, fairly soon. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, food in Australia is just like, you know, electricity prices, everything's just going through the roof over here at the moment. And uh, I know a lot of guys in the hunting community that I'm part of, you know, really enjoy eating the game meats too. Plus, you know, if you can get, you know, meat that's, you know, you don't have to pay for, I guess, you know, what a fantastic situation to be in. If you know how to cook it right, you can really save some big dollars, can't you? So tell us, you know, how much better you reckon is fresh say, local, you know, game meat or game, say, than purchasing, you know, the crap that's done on the, you know, feedlot type, you know, that comes off a feedlot, you know, is it, would you say fresh game is, you know, a lot better than that feedlot, you know, beef or, you know, malt, uh, you know, hugely grown, uh, you know, beef that comes off the feedlots? 
Yeah, of course. I mean, it's had a. I think in terms of um, given the choice, I'd rather you know be a pigeon flying around and then one day get shot than just having a miserable existence, living in a in, in a cage, uh, you know, walking around on your own feces, picking at um, at uh, you know the odd grain. What a miserable life for for the, the animals. And then I think also you need to consider the end product. Uh, I don't. I don't enjoy eating bad meat, and I've always said to friends, I'm, I love eating meat uh, per se, but I've always said to friends of mine, who, which this comes as a bit of a surprise, if I had a choice between, you know, like homegrown uh, vegetables that, you know, some little old lady's grown in a polytunnel uh, down the road and you've got them off her, like really fresh, good local vegetables, or, you know, fillet steak from a supermarket, I'd rather, I'd rather have a month of eating really good vegetables than eating bad meat. I just, I, I, the, the two don't equate to me, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you know, I notice, uh, you know, we're friends on Facebook and that, and you've, I know you enjoy a bit of the game meat yourself, but, uh, you know, I know you've actually got into dropping a little bit of, a little bit of body fat and a bit of weight too. So does that, how did you start getting into that? Have you always, you know, what's your favorite, I guess, game species, you know, that you enjoy eating? Is that, you reckon that's helped you drop a little bit of, a little bit of weight, which you've been trying to do? Yeah, well, you know, the whole story is, is, is sort of a little, little, little longer. I mean, I used to uh, do a lot of uh, fox hunting uh, on foot, and I was running a lot. I went to university, stopped running, uh, got onto the beers, which is a big passion of mine, uh, and onto the pizza. And you know, I left university tipping the tipping the scales at seventeen and three quarter stone, which is it's just unhealthy. So uh, I, I got myself, I got, you know, I thought, I've got to sort this out. So I got myself a pair of running shoes, and I thought, I'm going to just change what I eat. And since then, the, the weight's been, been, you know, steadily coming off. And, uh, you know, I, I rather, this sounds rather vain, but I got a, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a modeling contract, a uh, so product endorsement. I, I, I wear tweed. I'm an ambassador for a tweed clothing company called Alan Payne. So I wear their stuff, and... It's just not such a good look being 30 years old and uh, carrying too many pounds, uh, especially when you're trying to, you know, promote people's uh, clothing. So I'm quite conscious of the fact that uh, I want to eat healthily and eat good. So that's that's game and, and local veg, uh, and then get plenty of exercise in. Because sadly, you know, chefing is not um, it's not a healthy job. It's it's there's a lot of food, a lot of fat around you. You don't break into a you don't do any exercise, if you know what I mean. You don't break into a sweat. You do because you're like shifting around the kitchen, but you don't. It's not like being a tree surgeon, or it's it's not it's not uh, conducive to keeping you in shape. So I try and get out and get a run every so often, uh, and just keep myself um, looking the shape I should at the age I am. Yeah, no, I was gonna say you look like you look like you're half a man from the photos I saw. You're doing doing pretty good. You're doing pretty good, mate. So, you know, how hard is it, mate? Speaking of that, when you you know you you're catering for you know a, a party or a wedding or a hen's do, how do you you know how do you not you know get in there and want to sample all the you know I can imagine you get offered cake and you get offered all this type of food or even the food that you're serving to the clients. I mean, how do you? Have you just got to try and eat less or just try and avoid all the sweet stuff or what's give some tips to the Aussie fellas over here? I think the worst thing for me is I'm on the road. Um, so um, I, I hate driving. I just I can't stand it. But I have to obviously have to do it for my job. So, you know, you get five hours into a journey, you think, oh, I'm bored. I'll, I'll just go and get some sandwiches and ever find like a nice salad or, 
you know, a bit of bit of uh, pigeon and homemade bread. You know, you end up eating stuff you don't need to eat. And and then work-wise, you know, I'm experimenting all the time. And my food, um, it's not all uh, rich, but, you know, to, to, to keep uh, a profile on what's going on when you're adding ingredients, you need to keep tasting. And, uh, you know, like I went through a phase of experimenting with ice cream. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that didn't work, huh? No, that that was, I mean, but you have to taste it. Otherwise, you can't serve it without tasting it. It's just not, it's not... Uh, you know, so you can't can't work like that. So it's it is you know it is a little bit, bit difficult. But you know, I make a point of having you know big things of salad in there, and then when I'm I'm hungry and I want something to eat, I just nip into the fridge, get a pigeon, you know, a nice bit of pigeon salad, you know, and 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 that that's one of the ways I I, I do with it. But um, unfortunately, yeah, cooking is not it's not a healthy lifestyle. And you have to eat all the time. No, I can imagine, mate. So, um, you know, getting back to one of your other, other questions before that, so I said, what's, uh, what's your favourite game meat, mate? What do you just love eating? What's your favourite? I think one of my favourites is pigeon, actually. Uh, I just, just it, I've got a real sort of uh, affinity for it. it just, it's got, it's got nice, uh, clean flavours. It's sort of abundant. I think people should eat more of it. You know, it, 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 it's something I like, and I just love shooting pigeons. It's it's such an amazing uh, sport to be involved in. Um, I think the whole thing comes back to that. And, and I also, I feel, um, you know, I've eaten some amazing restaurants in the world, and I've been to some incredible places and seen some amazing uh, culinary concoctions that, 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 you know, mere mortals can't uh, emulate. You know, they all pale into, into insignificance for me if you think... Uh, you know, the best food experience of my life was eating eels caught from Loch Ness uh, with the man who caught them on the, on a you know heavy old frying pan next to the loch, um, and just having some Irish soda bread dipped in the fat and eating eels. That's the best thing for me um, I've ever had. And I think what it comes back to is just the simple things consumed with the man that killed them, or the man that caught them, and the man that prepared them. Always give me the greatest pleasure, and I think that's probably why I choose pigeon. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't. We don't have sort of. We eat eel over here, but I actually normally have you know a couple of times a week over here a little bit of uh, sushi, and I love the eel sushi, mate. That's probably one of my favourites. So yeah, I'm a bit bit of an eel fan myself, you know. So that's uh, pretty pretty good too. So because I remember actually speaking of pigeons and doves, actually when I was over in the states back in 2009, I. Uh, Actually, um, you know, did some dove and pigeon shooting, and at the end of it, we actually you know, debreasted them, took them back home, and the guy I was actually hunting with, he, uh, you know, what did he do? Like he actually, we breasted them, cleaned them up, then we uh, wrapped them in, I think we wrapped them in uh, bacon, barbecue sauce, and then breaded them, and then sort of not the healthiest thing, but then we deep fried them, mate, and they were just like little little bombs of joy. They were absolutely just fantastic tasting. So you know, can't you can't go wrong with those, you know. No, 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 no. Deep frying can be a very good way of uh, of cooking game as long as you time it perfectly because you get a you know nice crisp outside. Uh, you get it nice and warm. You take it out, let it cool, bang on every time. Huh? Yeah, because I've I've never had them before, mate. I've never sort of I've never eaten pigeon. As I said over here in Australia, it's very you know I don't know anyone that eats pigeon. Actually, as I said, it's very you know game meat is a little bit taboo. And as soon as people say game meat, they're like, oh no, nah, not trying it. And you know, whereas over in England, I think they're a bit more, and America too. They you know they're hunting, especially in the hunting world too. It's a little bit more, it's it's a lot more accepted, and people are willing to do, you know try and do a few more things. So. Um, 
let's say, what about, say, mate, spices and uh, marinades and those type of things? Are they, are they important in game cooking or is that overdoing it? Let's say people want to start trying game cooking, um, but they want a little bit of flavor. Should they concentrate, say, on the flavor of, you know, like the meats or does, you know, like spices, marinades, can they help people transition from, say, you know, normal meats over to trying to get like a, you know, some uh, a sweet tooth for, I guess, for game meats? I think people always say that you have to marinate uh, meats to get flavor and moisture, and just like frankly, that this is not true. You need to cook it properly to get um, to, to get the moisture in there and to get the flavor in there. You're better off making a better sauce. And a lot of people will uh, wrap it in red wine, garlic, chilies, da 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 da, da and then cook it all up. What is much better is to cook the rabbit uh, separately and then reduce the stuff you are going to use as a marinade and make that into a sauce and then serve them together. Do you see what I mean? And um, like, Also, a lot of game, when you cook it, the flavor and the water moves out of the meat. Cooking, so cooking things, you can cook venison, just boil it in water till it all falls apart, and then if you get the stuff that you're going to marinate it in and warm it through so you've got a nice sauce, if you let the venison cool back down in your sauce, that it will suck up the juice, and then when what I tend to do, you can either what I would then tend to do is once it's sucked up the juice, so it's sort of cooked but also marinated in a bit of a complicated and confusing way, um, is then reheat the venison. You'll find that it will keep the moisture in it. So 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 cooked so cooked venison will absorb the marinade, whereas raw venison, generally speaking, won't. And if it does, it will as you cook it, you will lose that marinade back into the cooking liquor. Yeah, no, my, my, I got a friend that does deer too, and we had some. Oh, it's a while back now when we actually had access to some deer, but, you know, we had some nice backstrap fillets. I mean, just, mm, you're getting me excited thinking about them now, mate. You know, a bit of salt and pepper, they were bloody beautiful. You know, you can't go wrong there. No, 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 for sure. Mate, let, let's go into, whether you, let, let's say you're shooting your game, pigeons, rabbits, you know, whatever it may be. How important, say, at least for game meat preservation, how important is it to, you know, like shot placement on, you know, your animals? I mean, I guess, you know, if you're shooting pigeons, obviously you're shooting with a shotgun. Do you do you find you're getting pellets in the pigeons, or how? Yeah, you know, it, it, it basically is shot placement important. I guess that's my question. Not that important. Um, obviously, you want to try and be at the front end of them. But as long as you get the animal cool, pretty much after you shot it, there's not actually that many pellets in a pigeon when you shoot it. Which sounds ridiculous, but you only get four or five pigeons, four or five pellets in each pigeon. If you're using something like a rifle, um, you want to obviously. Uh, try and shoot the animal without bursting any of the guts, especially if it's a rabbit. If you shoot the green guts, the animal's probably, you know, no use at all. And certainly a deer, you don't want to be hitting it anywhere towards the back of the ribs. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to an extent, but um, how you handle the animal once you've shot it is more important than the shot placement. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um I guess going into that, you know, if you end up, let's say you've got a, you know, pretty nice, you know, game meat you've shot, but you've actually gut shot it. Let's say it's a deer or a rabbit. Um, is that is can can you if you've busted the say the, the you know the gut bag, is the meat is the meat tainted? Can you still save the meat or is it game over? Well, if it's a rabbit and you've only uh, done it a bit, what what if you've done it um, in the field and you've only you sort of clipped the guts? All you can do is. Um, take the guts out of it and, and you know wipe some of the guts off on the grass because obviously I put all my rabbits in salt water which kills all the bacteria anyway so if you 
um, wipe uh, any of the contamination off, you know, you're going to be all right. Now, the other thing you can do is if you've uh, contaminated a bit of the belly of the rabbit or even the deer, you can just cut that meat, bit of the meat off, and it'll still be okay. Um, but the other thing to do, obviously, uh, and remember quite clearly, is make sure that you get the rabbit in the fridge as quick as you can, and that will stop any bacteria that you spread onto the meat from growing. Yeah, I was going to say, how how important is that too, mate? On let's say, like you've you know you've headshot, you've gone out for the night and headshot some rabbits. Should you can you and you headshoot them? Can you gut them in the field? Is it better off to better off to get all the guts out in the field, or how many have you got? Like a couple of hours will be fine for the guts to sit in there, or what's the? How do you normally do it? Well, you want to gut them every uh, you know. If I'm doing a whole night, I'll gut them every four or five hours. Uh, so uh, you know, uh, when we get we got fairly long nights over here, we can get four o'clock in the afternoon. It'll get dark, and won't get light again until eight o'clock in the morning. So those sorts of nights, I probably have two or three gutting sessions as I'm going through the night. We don't get massive numbers of rabbits. You know, most people go out and get thirty or forty over here because we just don't have the numbers. Um, I do a little bit more of it than most people, and I get because I shoot more. People, farmers with real problems will ring me up. So I tend to get a few more than most of the people. Um, but I, I try and stay on top of the, the batting animals because um, obviously I need the, the meat for my business and it reflects my reputation. Yeah, no, nah, exactly. I mean, as I said, you're probably hardly ever buying meat. You know, do, do you find yourself getting sick of eating game meat, or you just it's cheap and you just love it and it, it costs it costs less? So if you think about uh, farm meat, you've got pork, lamb. Uh, and beef, uh, and obviously chicken. Now, people say, you know, to say you're going to get bored of eating game, you know, we've got four different types of pigeon over here, we've got six different types of deer, uh, and we've got quite a lot of different, we've got 14 different types of duck, and then I'm starting to forget them already, but you've got so many different birds over here, uh, you could probably eat something different every day of the month in terms of meat-wise and never get bored of it. So you've got so much more option eating game. I eat quite a lot of fish as well, a fairly keen angler. So, uh, no, I mean, to be honest, uh, I don't really eat a lot of farm meat. Occasionally, if um, if I know a friend's getting a cow killed, uh, a farming friend, I'll, I'll buy some bits off him or, or, or half, a, half a pig. Um, and eat something decent, but no, I, I don't I don't miss it at all. I don't, I don't sort of start craving... Uh, roast beef and Yorkshire puddings or, or anything like that I'm perfectly happy eating uh, eating games uh, I guess the next question I was going to ask it's partly two questions mate I've seen you on the Field Sports TV on YouTube mate um, you know first question is Andy Crow mate he's a bit of a he's basically a bit of a gun shooter and I love watching him on the uh, Field Sports TV as I do you so the first question is one can you get me Andy Crow's autograph um, I'm, well, basically, I'm going to force you to get it for me. That's number one. And uh, number two, number two, mate, is how did you become, you know, a regular on on field sports show? I mean, that's how I originally, you know, I saw you on there, and then I, you know, uh, checked you out on YouTube as well, and I saw you, you know, you were hunting crows and pigeons, and you know, if if people know a lot about me, I mean, even though we don't get much wing shooting over here in Australia, I mean, I absolutely love it. You know, anytime I can shoot pigeons or ducks or crows, mate, I'm out, I, I try and get out and do it. So h- how did you become a regular on the show? Well, um, the people that started it uh, knew me from somewhere, and I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, they'd seen me in the magazines, and one of the guys who started it, he 
started the magazine that I write for, and they sort of got in contact. And um, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of people over here that shoot and write about shooting that I'm not sure how often they actually go. And I, I'm if I'm not working, I will be shooting something somewhere. And what that really means is I get more and more farms. So that sort of reputation with farmers grows, so my land grows. So what then happens is the field sports channel go, oh, Mark, there's no chance we could film, I don't know, catching uh, trout or shooting ducks or this or that or this or that. And I go, yeah, no problem. So I think they come back to me uh, kind of because um, I've got places to go. Um, and hopefully, you know, some of the media training I've had for doing cooking TV work um, helps me be a better presenter. But I don't know uh, if that's so much to do with it. Oh, no, I do, man. I just, uh, as I said, I, I like you. As I said with you before when we were speaking the other day, I mean, you know, when you get on there, you're a bit of a likable, so you've got a likable character. You're pretty funny, too. I've seen your YouTube, and that's what sort of got me, you know, to ring you up, and I thought, well, you know, why not? This guy's pretty good game cook. You know, I've saw your videos. Let's get him on the show. A lot of people, um, you know, I haven't had anyone on the show yet that's actually done game cooking, and it's, you know, I think a lot of people don't know about it, so, you know, I thought you'd be able to, you know, come on and, you know, give you sort of, you know, opinion on how to cook games. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's, it's it, it, you know, you're pretty good like that. So um, let's go into shooting, mate. I know you're, you're a bit of a big wing shot, but what's your, what's your favourite game species to hunt, mate? I mean, I saw you on Facebook the other week, you were over in, was it Scotland or Ireland? And you were doing, uh, you know, you were shooting some crows and, you know, you guys are in the wing shooting capital of the, of the world, I think. Well, we, we, we've got, I don't know why, but we've got a lot of birds here. Um, we've had a couple of hard winters that's thinned a few of them out, but, um, yeah, we've got some pretty incredible um, bird shooting over here. Um, yeah, we've had some bags into four figures for things like crows and pigeons. If you know if you know how to catch the birds out, if you can fool them. Yeah, so, mate, how, 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 do you, how important you reckon, especially when you're... You say, you know, hunting pigeons or crows, mate, decoying, because most of the field sports TV channels that I've I've watched that, you guys are decoying over, you know, spinning decoys, mate. Is that important to, to get the, you know, either crows, pigeons, or depends on what, you know, what you're hunting. Is that, is that important in getting them coming in, or is it, you know, or can you shoot them without the, you know, the decoys, or is, it, is decoys a must if you're going to really hunt pigeons properly? It's a bit of a must, really. You need to be. You need to be. The problem with those wild birds is you need to attract them to you. So you need to firstly conceal yourself in a decent hide, so they they, they have no reason to suspect anything's wrong. Uh, they need to be on a field that they're they're feeding on, you know, the day before, so you know they're going to come back to the field. And you need to have a pattern of decoys that has movement, which is why we use the spinning decoys. Uh, so it looks like a busy situation where there's pigeons coming and going. Um, without that, you're you're, you're going to really struggle to shoot anything unless you can find a flight path that they're not going to change from, which is pretty hard. Um, so yeah, it's without decoys, you, you're pretty much not going to get anything. Yeah. So, mate, going back to that other question, would you say what's your favourite pigeons? Is that your one? Is that your, is that you love shooting pigeons? What's your favourite? I think it's probably pigeon shooting is my favourite uh, at the moment, but uh, you know duck hunting is something I did with my dad. But you have, I think you have to do what you can with what you have. And pigeon hunting, where I am in the southeast, is, is fantastic. Um, you know, it's really really good here. 
But, you know, if I lived up in Scotland where my dad was, I would be doing a lot more ducks and probably no pigeons at all because there's none where he is or, or, you know, you might get the odd day where you'll get 50, but there's nothing big. And if I was over in Ireland, I'd do a lot more crows uh, and a lot less pigeon shooting and maybe, you know, some more woodcock shooting. So I do the pigeons because they're on my doorstep. Yeah, speaking of the crows, when I saw you on Facebook the other the other day with your crow shooting there, do you guys also, because I'm actually going to head out this weekend coming up uh, and try and get some crows on a property that I go on, do you guys decoy the crows as well? Do you have the spinning decoys for the crows? Yeah, yeah. if you're trying to decoy crows, you want to build uh, a hide or a, a, I think you guys might call it a blind, uh, and you, so you want four, four poles with netting around it, okay? And then the next thing you do, and this is really important, you need to cut down a whole load of branches with leaves on it and lay them around your your hide. So a hybrid netting is not going to work. So uh, And you want to keep building up the branches uh, uh, so that you break up the shape of your hide. Then all of a sudden, you will look like a bush, and then the crows will not suspect you. Okay, And then you need to get some flock crow decoys uh, and a crow magnet uh, lay those out, and if you can use them, uh, and they will come straight into you. And the other thing that people do wrong with crow uh, decoy patterns, they put a blob in front of them. You want one blob to your right and one blob to your left, and a massive hole straight in front of your hide, and they will come. They will come to the hole, but don't don't put them in arc shapes and just a bit. You want two blobs and a big hole in front of you. That's all. And then what? And then what? They'll decoy straight into the middle of them. Yeah, they'll come straight into the middle. You should be able to get them to come within five, ten yards of you. Wow. I'm hoping to get out this weekend because I've got about, I've got some uh, bouncing decoys. I've got a couple of those new NRA fold-up decoys as well. So those ones that look like that wetsuit material, you just fold them up and anchor them in the ground. So, And I've got a uh, Fox Pro electronic game call, mate. So I'm... I've got all the gear, but hopefully, you know, I get, hopefully I can actually get some coming in uh, with the call. So... I... I don't know how good the FUD decoys will be, but yeah, give, give those a go. If they don't work, flock decoys, uh, and I can give you a contact for some from over here, and they are almost lifelike. Flock decoys. Are they moving decoys, or are they just sta- uh, static decoys? They're static, but they've got like a fur on them, which is, sounds ridiculous, but they've got like a fur on them, which is jet black, but they look exactly like a crow looks in terms of they're not shiny, but they have a glint to them they've got they, they just look exactly and they're jet black they, they've got they've captured the qualities of a live crow unbelievably well and i bought 20 the other day for about 80 pounds over here and i put them out and i just made it mine was like those crow decoys look perfect from about half a mile away tell me mate do you eat the crows um i can eat you can eat young you can eat young rook they're not too good to eat unfortunately and they're fairly unclean to the things, and they're not great to eat. And the farmers sort of want them gone because they, they, you know, if they go, the crows will go and bath in the water troughs, and then the water troughs just get all slimy, and they're quite unclean creatures. One time I went to a property, uh, uh, and the guy, the farmer had actually burnt off all the ground because we had a we had a really good rain season last summer. And when the the actually the owner of the farm that I go to actually burnt off all the land when all the new roots and shoots were coming up from the ground, when I'm talking crows, Mark, I'm talking thousands, mate. Well, they were all on the ground. They were flying around. They were eating all the new, 
you know, grass and roots and shoots that were growing up, uh, growing up from the ground. It was fantastic, but I think that's all grown back now. But hey, we're going to give it a try this week and uh, see how we go. So, but getting into that, mate, do you? I've got another question. Forgot the questions for you too. Is do you love rifle shooting or shotgun shooting better? And uh, what's in the Mark Gilchrist gun safe? What's your favourite guns that, that you've got at the moment? Oh, I love, I love, I do, I probably do about 20,000 rounds of 2.2 ammunition a year and about 20,000 rounds of shotgun ammunition a year. So it's about split 50 50. Uh, I like both as much, which is a really weak answer. Uh, and my arsenal, I'm packing uh, three semi autos uh, and over and under. Uh, they're all shotguns. Uh, I've got Browning Maxis, which uh, Browning sent to me and said, look, we'd like you to use it. If you think it's any good, use it until it falls apart. And I'm, I'm uh, really glad they sent it to me. So shoot nicely with it, and it's a good gun. Um, and then rifle-wise, I've got a Hauer. Uh, don't know if you get those over there. Two, four, three. Yeah, we got Hauer's. Yeah, I think I think they're Japanese-made. Um, I think they might come from New Zealand. Uh, anyhow, I've got a Hauer. You know, it's I, I don't want to sound like a really un- uneventful sort of pundit, but. Uh, I pull the trigger and the bullet goes where I want it to go. It's a gun. It shoots. You know, it just shoots straight. Straight. Uh, I don't go in for this. You know, people wanting uh, octagonal fluted barrels and um, stainless steel sparkly rims on the on the end of it and you know amazing warmer. I just want something I can use as a tool that won't let me down. And all of my guns tick those boxes. Yeah, I know. Over here, I've got a lot of people. Howers on the cheaper side, but I mean, not not by that much. But there, a lot of people are getting really, really great results with Howa. You know, good half inch groups easily. So if they're hand, especially if they're hand loading themselves. But uh, I'm a bit of a ticker fan myself. Do you guys get ticker over there? Yes. Yeah. 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 We uh, they're relatively expensive. A lot of my friends sort of swear by them. Yeah, no, nah, that's uh, I've got a couple myself actually. So, mate, how do you how do you find time to to hunt and shoot when you're you know running your catering business? How do you how do you try and balance the both? I don't understand people that can't find time for things. Um, you know, I sleep probably five hours a night. Uh, every so often, I have a lie and have ten hours, but that's probably once every ten days. Um, I get up, go to work, then go shooting in the afternoon. Um, but I can do a day's work before going you know, going, going shooting, which most other people kind of don't think of. Uh, and I work weekends. Uh, I, you know, I've, I've done, I regularly, when I'm cooking, do 20 hours a day on Saturday and Sunday. Like a friend of mine said, oh, it's all right for you, you just t- took the week off and went shooting. I said, yeah, I did, but I did 60 hours in three days. You don't do 60 hours in two weeks because you work for the government, so back in your box. <laughs> that's like me mate I, I work in my box too for the government currently here in Australia so mate, I, I'd kill to have your job you've got the life my friend you've got the life yeah I don't have the salary so that's, that's the downside yeah that's true so alright so, I've got a couple more questions before we finish off just uh, about three more so mate if uh, we've got, a, we've got a, a heaps of rabbits in Australia like you know uh, t- you know too many can you give us a, a simple if someone wants to get, say, started in how to cook rabbit, what give us a simple recipe, something that's quick, 
you know, that you know, great tasting that someone either can put in a pie or even just a general rabbit dish with a sauce. Yeah, it's a simple yet mouth-watering, mate. What's a simple, quick recipe that you'd be able to give us just now that um, people could use, say, cook a rabbit up? Rabbit, you'll like this one. It's nice and simple. Rabbit in salt water overnight, take it out. One, one rabbit to one can of cider, spoonful of mustard, uh, get some sage in there, bits of bobs, onion, carrot, boil it for uh, three hours, make sure it doesn't go dry. And after three hours, it'll fall apart, yeah? And then you put half a carton of cream in there, so 125 mils of cream, if you're in milliliters over there. Then a little bit of salt, pepper, add some butter and flour, as in mix together butter and flour, uh, and that will thicken the whole thing up. Taste it, make sure it tastes good. Make sure the rabbit's falling off the bone. Like, if it feels tough, it's going to beat up. Make sure it's falling off the bone. Then a little bit of mash, centre of the plate. Put the loin of the rabbit, uh, bay leaf to glaze, and then uh, sauce around the around the outside. Winner, winner, chicken dinner, mate. Is that is that like a Mark Gilchrist special, or is it guaranteed to taste good? It's it's guaranteed to taste good. Uh, I even did a cooking course for guys cooking game on a first date to impress a lady. Cooking to get your bird moist, and that was one of them. Mate, that could I, I'd say that term works on a few levels. That term, I think. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell us, mate. Uh, just uh, second last question, mate. Tell us about say one of your favourite stories, mate. You know whether it be you know a hunting story or a personal accomplishment story. Something that just you know sticks in your mind as being you know uh, uh, one happy day in the life of Mark Gilchrist. Well, there's, yeah, there's one. I um, went up to the CLA Game Fair, big hunting festival over here, about 125,000 people. And someone said, look, we want you to do a cooking demonstration. We'll give you a bundle of cash and a free bar. So obviously a free bar, I, I, I helped myself and, you know, I did pretty well. The, um, they had an electric ride on horse there for all the kids to have a go on, you know, simulated horse. At about 3 o'clock in the morning, I... Uh, I'd had so much to drink, I thought I'd just take all my clothes off and get on the horse, which is obviously not such a good idea as the person running the whole show. <laughs> it's like, Mark, Mark, because I'd fallen off at this stage, like, can you put your clothes back on? I was like, I really, I really can't. Um, so the woman then had to dress me, and like, her husband is looking at me, and if looks can kill, she wouldn't be doing this interview, I'd be six feet under. So the next day, I'm standing there, and... Um, there's a really, really famous woman called Clarissa Dixon Wright, like big, she was like one of the first people to do game cooking, real character. She's walked up to me and goes, uh, oh, I know you, I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of your work, I, I'm you know, really excited about everything you do, I think you're fantastic. And, and I was so embarrassed, I said, that's really sweet. I thought, you know, finally my little cooking business has, has, has grown branches and yielded fruit and my, my reputation's grown. And yeah, I thought it was so good, she goes, you're Lady Godiva, aren't you? I think it's fantastic you took all your clothes off last night. So, in <laughs> fact, there wasn't anything to do with cooking. It's the fact that I was a chap who had too much drink to all his clothes off. So, that would, I have to say, almost the happiest day of my life. But uh, hopefully, hopefully one day I'll get recognised. Yeah, hopefully you get invited. Hopefully if they do it again, you'll be invited back, mate. <laughs> they, they did amazingly invite me back. And they were so good about it. They said... Was the, the really sort of, I'm sure you can imagine the sort of stiff old pom there in a the jacket going, uh, he just said, I'm so glad you came last year because I I was stuck there talking to my wife's bridge partner about something really uninteresting. And <laughs> they said, we want you back this year and you will drink plenty and do, do all sorts of silly things. I said, 
if the booze is free, mate, you can almost rely on me doing something I shouldn't do. <laughs> Just hopefully no one saw you, mate, you know what I mean? Hopefully. Was it during the day or was that after the event during the night or was it... This was, this was, this was at 3 o'clock in the morning and someone, uh, <laughs> a friend of mine, took a photo of me uh, um, on the horse on his mobile phone emailed it to me, said, uh, how much to uh, keep this one a secret? So I just sent back, you know, <laughs> this is on email straight away. I said, no one can see anything, so don't even be, you know, don't even try it. Uh, and it's not like the editor of the magazine is ever going to see it. 45 seconds later, I get a, get a message back from the editor of the magazine. Mark, I've photoshopped all the colors on this, fo- on this photo. Can now see everything we don't want to see. Um, maybe you should have taken the bribe. I'm I'm still working, so it's all okay. Ah, good story, mate. All right, last question, mate, to finish off. You know, if people if people wanted to find out more about you, you know, if they wanted to contact you for, you know, some people obviously going to hear this over in the UK. If they want to contact you to cater, you know, for their for their event, you know, depending on what their event is. Um, is there any websites they can go to, uh, any products you've got for sale, or how can people contact you? What's the best way to get in contact uh, and, and make a booking with uh, Mark Gilchrist? Just go to gameforeverything.com, and uh, we've got a website up there. Uh, we're going to get that redone very soon, uh, so it looks a bit sl- smarter and sleeker. If you want to ask any questions about you know, hunting or if I can help in any way, just add me on Facebook or send me an email, um, and, you know, if I can help, I will. And, um, yeah, that's, that's about the best way to get hold of me. Nah, mate, we, as I said, that's fantastic, man. We've, uh, I'm glad I was finally able to get you on and get, you know, get some, you know, I didn't, I was thinking when I was going to get you on before, it was hard to find actually some people that are, you know, predominant and well-known game, you know, chefs over here in Australia. So, but as you said, you know, game cooking be, can be, you know, generally universal. You know, we've got a lot of game in your country that we've got over here too. And I know people are going to enjoy what you've had to say today, you know, a few laughs in between and, um, as I said, you know, if people want to get in contact with you, uh, you know how to get in contact with Mark, and just let you know, thanks for coming on again, mate, I really do appreciate it, I know you're a very busy man, and um, it's always appreciative, man, and uh, hopefully we can get you on again soon, or uh, and hopefully, you know, we can keep seeing you on uh, YouTube and uh, Field Sports Channel doing what you do best, mate, so thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll see you around soon, buddy. Yeah, see you soon, thanks for having me. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, brought to you by AussieUsedGuns.com.au, the premier classifieds of new and used firearm sales. Thanks for listening. See you next time.